Well, we read uh, the first part of John chapter 13 of the foot washing uh, episode. I don't know what you uh, make of that. It's quite an intriguing passage if you particularly try to step into the mindset of what the disciples must have been thinking. Jesus, who took Philippians chapter 2, tells us the very nature of a servant. Servants would have washed people's feet uh, without maybe the person um, even acknowledging uh, them at all. Here in this instance, there was no servant. No one had volunteered to do the the feet washing. Roads would have been dusty, just with sandals on, filthy feet on arrival. The first sign of hospitality in Jesus' culture was for people to have um, the offer of having their guests' feet washed. We would say maybe in similar uh, fashion, can I take your coat or would you like a cup of tea or please come through uh, and take a seat. That's a little bit more British, isn't it? We feel a little bit more comfortable with that, but that's maybe on a bit of a parallel. And immediately then we feel welcomed. But I wonder how we would react or how we would have reacted here this evening if we'd had our feet uh, washed. I remember some years ago when I was youth club leader, so I was in my 20s, so maybe quite used to doing a few different radical things. And the, the study uh, that evening was being led by one of the young people. And we were looking at this passage, and right at the start of the evening, uh, Jenny, her name was, uh, and she encouraged us to have our feet washed. I felt incredibly uncomfortable. It, it just seemed very, very alien foreign and I have to say it it was beautifully done Uh, and then the the study that uh, probably 17, 18 year old as she was at the time led us through about why she got us to to do that so we were trying to get um, our minds into maybe how awkward it would have been for the disciples then. It seemed to be the other way round as maybe uh, how it ought to have been. Well, I didn't wash your feet uh, here uh, this evening. I would imagine most of you would have been quite grateful for that. But what if you'd gone elsewhere, maybe to a garden party with the Queen? And just if, just run with me for a moment, then the Queen herself had offered to wash your feet I doubt very much as if your response would have been, well, thanks ever so much, Liz, but mind the Veruca. It would have probably been along the lines of one, uh, no, that's surely the wrong way round. And we would have felt very uncomfortable with that, uh, with that kind of concept. Your Majesty, this is, this is beneath you. That's maybe a picture as to what the disciples would have felt uh, here. Jesus came, he said in Luke chapter 21, um, I am among you as one who serves. In Mark chapter 10, he said, whoever wants to become great among you must become a servant. That whole thing of greatness or significance is, or getting a pay rise is something that maybe uh, our world, certainly over here, that's what life's all about, isn't it? A bigger than and a better than. And yet greatness in the eyes of God is kind of like a reversal of that. If you wish to be great, you ought to seek to be in the place of a servant and to be like a servant. 
If I was to ask you how many ministers we have got at the church, I wonder how you would answer. Now, some of you, of course, are now probably know me well enough and you've read in our church magazine because we, we put it in each time. There are churches, of course, where you've got a, a minister and maybe that would be a, a lot more obvious in that con- context for, for people to shout out and answer, well, one, because he or she is the minister. And yet, biblically speaking, every Christian is a minister, a servant. That's what the word literally means. With a role to play in either ministering to others or in the overall ministry of the church. The specific role is irrelevant. So we're here having an opportunity for ourselves to think through what our own uh, role is or might be or could be. Both in terms of a taking stock about what maybe we're not doing or what maybe we are doing, which maybe uh, is what we didn't ought to be uh, doing. I was mentioning to David just before the service, always when you're uh, in a position at at church that that I am and we're looking at something like serving, it sounds as if Roger's on a recruitment drive. The reason that we're looking at this subject is because this was at the very heart of the life of the early church as well as made clear in the teaching of Jesus. And as we've been thinking through introducing our theme for the year, of how we might see God clearly, 2020 vision, see God clearly. And so we're beginning to unpick some of the values that are important for us here as a church, that you see embedded throughout the Gospel of Acts. So we started this series with the importance of believing. That's the bottom line, isn't it? It's important that we know and believe and accept who Jesus is, that we accept God's word and we're seeking to live by it. There is then that value of worshipping, a value of praying, the value of belonging, which we looked at last week. And so now we're looking at that value of of serving. That's where the context uh, is for where we're going um, this evening. This is what God's word says in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Now you may well hear that and think, oh, thank goodness I've not got anything I'm any good at. So that gets me off the hook. But in actual fact, no Christian can say that. Because God's word already tells us that we have, if we're followers of the Lord Jesus, been given gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And this same God is the giver of the gifts is also the one who determines who gets what. So be grateful for those gifts that you've been given and don't worry about those other gifts that other people have been given that maybe we haven't. And if we're about to think of a particular role that we maybe think is a bit beyond us but we want to try that out, it's good to know that the God who calls us is the God who equips us for that task. I'll let you into a little bit of a secret. I don't do this very often, um, but every now and then it seems appropriate to do that. It does seem to me still a bit bizarre to do what I do um, for a living, because when I was 18, 19 years of age, and we had what was called general English at school, that was the one lesson that I used to bunk off school for, because I wasn't able to read aloud in a group of about 15 pupils. And for some bizarre reason, 
God looked down from heaven and thought, well, he's not a follower of me yet, but when he is, that's the perfect specimen that I'm going to use to stand in front of me. Now, had God said that to me there and then, I think I would have done a bit of a runner. But I know, as I'm sure you can have your own story to tell, very often those things that we're only able to do because of what God has done in his enabling, in his equipping. So what's important for us to think about when we think of our getting involved? That's the thing. Get involved, we believe, in serving. It's important that we're involved in serving for the right reasons, isn't it? It's very easy for us to do things maybe out of guilt. Maybe over and over and over you've seen something in in the welcome sheet, a particular advert about a particular role in the church. You're, You're fed up of seeing it there. You know it's an important thing and somebody ought to do it, but you know it's not the way you've been wired and you not be not be very good at it at all. But still, to just make sure that the job gets done, you then make yourself that square peg in a round hole. You end up frustrated. Other people that are in that ministry end up frustrated. We've really just responded out of guilt. Or sometimes, of course, people can be involved in something because of how that looks to other people uh, in terms of their being at the front, particularly anybody that's at the front. We've got to analyse why we're, we're doing that. But bottom line is, God's word says, be eager to serve. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 2. Ephesians 6 verse 7 reminds us that we should serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men nor women. That changes our focus about how we're to do things in a right way, doesn't it? Alongside that, when Paul wrote to the church at Colossae in chapter 3, he said, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, because it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. And we touched very briefly uh, this morning on the fact, we haven't got time to unpack this through scripture, but God's word teaches that he created us to serve, that he actually saved his people to serve, that we have been called to serve, as well as commanded to serve so for any of us that are not in that capacity you can imagine him one day hypothetically saying well what bit of that did you not really get it's perfectly clear that we ought to be participators and not spectators apart from us just a mini caveat i'll throw in those seasons that are extra extra tough for individuals maybe a family crisis Maybe gross ill health, maybe that sense of life is just incredibly tough and you ought to just stop and be in a position of resting. Over the years from time to time we've had different people that have maybe joined us, sometimes for a season, to not be known, not do anything, but to just come and be. And that is perfectly okay, but not forever and a day. When we are involved in whatever it is, and Sue and Jill were laying up the table here uh, this evening, and Chris was sorting out your teas and coffees that we're all going to enjoy afterwards, somebody else was giving out books and all that kind of stuff, and you can multiply out those different tasks that are done 24-7 through uh, the life of a church. It's important, I think, that we see those things to be done as opportunities 
to serve Jesus. Not as tasks to be done or chores or anything. Oh, I've got to do the... Now, it's not to say we're always going to be wearing a beaming grin. But how we approach a task can make such a difference as to how we actually ultimately see that that we're doing. And maybe you can think of particular individuals that just seem to wear at times a smile in their, on their face when they're doing something because they know why they're doing it and they know beyond that who they are doing it for. That's so important, I think, for us to be reminded of that, isn't it? What is our own um, focus when it comes to those things that we might otherwise think are pretty mundane. God's word reminds us that whatever you do, do it as if unto the Lord. So next time you're doing the washing up, or you're cleaning out the oven, or dare I say it, cleaning the toilets, whatever it is, just do that as if unto the Lord. See what difference that may one indeed make. Nothing was beneath Jesus, was it? The one who came, as we saw in John chapter 13, to set us an example of how we ought to be. Being willing to be the lowest of the low and to do maybe the more menial uh, tasks. Talking to children. That Jesus was, was shooed away from the kids or the kids were shooed away from him. No, 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 no. And Jesus said, no, 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 don't, don't hinder the children from coming. That's okay. And it's good for us to have opportunity to get down at the height of a child who's messing around it to give them time. Cooking breakfast. That wasn't beneath him either, was it, on the beach? Remember that? Spending time with society's rejects. Those people in and around our town as well that we hope they're not going to catch our eye today. Let's just look in the opposite direction. It's a little bit easier. I'm in a hurry and I've got important things to do after all. I don't really want to be associated with that person over there. And yet Jesus did. And washing its disciples' feet. The practical is very important, isn't it? We have here, as uh, our leadership team is largely made up of what we call a group of elders and a group of deacons. And that formalises what we call uh, the leadership team. One or two others that we draw in for specific uh, uh, tasks and for particular gifts that they've, uh, that they've got. Uh, but one of the things every now and then that I, I feel a bit uncomfortable with, when there's an explanation about the main role of each of those two groups... I've sometimes heard it said about, well, of course, the elders deal with the spiritual and the deacons deal with the practical. Now, what does that imply of the practical? If the elders are doing the spiritual and the deacons are doing that which is not spiritual, oh, therefore the practical is unspiritual. And yet when we think about when deacons were... um, uh, came, to, to, came to life, came into being in scripture in Acts chapter 6. If you read the context back there in chapter 3, and the church was choosing people for that role, it was people who were selected who were known to be filled with the spirit and filled with the spirit of wisdom. Therefore, it's a very spiritual task. 
and I always try to encourage our own deacons here that that which they are doing uh, is indeed very spiritual. The practical is indeed very spiritual. I understand how people are trying to differentiate, but I think we need to be a bit uh, careful uh, there. I hope our motive as we are involved in whatever we're uh, involved with is yes to get the job done. That needs to happen. And yes, to maybe see that the bit that we do is a part of the whole that as we all work together, so then the whole mission of God is able to be fulfilled. Because one person or ten people can't do it all. But as we each give of our little bit, that which God is able to do is so much greater. And the overall picture is able to look so much more beautiful. But beyond that, you know, one day, there may well then be these words that you are going to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Not well done, good and successful servant, but faithful servant. That capacity to stick at doing the serving, I think, comes across uh, through that. Every day, every day, we will each have, won't we, opportunities uh, to look out for either our own needs to be met, or to help meet the needs of someone else. As we think about that in a church context, maybe we can think about someone that we can look out for this week, or send a card to, or do something for. Some of those individuals that I mentioned who are sick could well be just one of those people uh, that you phone up, that you pray for, or maybe drop a meal round to, or somebody else that you've not seen for a while. Let's not forget those people. Let's think as well, when we think about where God would call us to be involved, there are lots of different tasks to be done. But in terms of the way that God has wired us up with spiritual gifts, I think in the main, those gifts have been given so we're going to be involved, where God has given us a heart for that. Different people have got a different heart for different things. That's quite deliberate. If you think about that word heart, it speaks of the passion that we might well have. Scripturally speaking, heart often is used to describe our desires, our hopes, our ambitions, our dreams. As the face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the person. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 speaks about. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Romans 12 verse 16 speaks about. So what has God given you a heart for? Uh, We welcomed uh, somebody into membership here this morning who I think is probably, and I wasn't around a hundred years ago, uh, so there's no way of knowing if this is the first um, uh, member, but it probably is our first church member from Hong Kong. Uh, They were born out in Hong Kong, came to know the Lord Jesus uh, aged 13, Uh, They went to a Chinese-speaking church, Baptist church. They were baptised out there. And I don't know how long they've lived over in this country, but they live on Poundbury, been with us for about a year. And they spend their time uh, during the week looking after her grandchildren. Um, But she's also involved in our food share uh, ministry. And and she was saying, as we were talking about uh, what she's done in the past, and she said, I love spending time with older people. Now, in actual fact, this lady is a lot older than you may well think. So there's a part of me, and I hope that's okay to say that, but I thought, well, 
actually this is another person in that age bracket who's thinking about for me to say ah brilliant we need somebody like you in the crash what's the point of that if the first thing that she's spoken about is a heart that she's got to draw alongside other older people it makes absolute sense doesn't it to release her where she's got that sense of heart I had uh, uh, the opportunity to spend a couple of hours with, with Liz, who, uh, with her husband, oversees the finances uh, at the church here. I cannot think of anything worse for me to do than papers and figures and all that stuff. Liz gets so, so excited about the, the accounts that balance opportunities to bless missionaries by giving money away, particular needs that we can fulfill, and all of that stuff. And I'm thinking, really? But she's been given a gift and a heart. She would be very upset if that was taken away from her. It's important to release people where we've got that sense of right heart. God has given us that heart and passion so that that would be where maybe there's opportunities for us to serve him. Have a think about what you pray for most. Seeing Sue and Joe, I can remember time um, when, when I spent time over a cup of tea. Don't look so worried. It's a good thing. It's okay. You've obviously got a very guilty conscience, haven't you? Right, we'll have, we'll have another conversation then now, won't we? I'm intrigued. I can remember a cup of tea that I had, and they, and they spoke of, you, you pray very often for, uh, uh, for the, the, the Jews for Jesus and things like that, don't you? Uh, a heart that God has given you for that and you've passed me leaflets about that and you speak of that and Jill when you've been praying you've mentioned that in your prayers now why is there's a heart that Jill and Sue have been given by God for that now it may well be that they may well think why has other people just not got that same heart but let's imagine all the rest of us that have got a heart for other things that then that's taken away and we've all got that heart Great that we then are motivated as a group of 20 to be involved with that. But what about all the rest of the stuff? We need different individuals and different teams, don't we? With different hearts so that the whole picture together is then looking that beautiful bride of Christ and able to fill the mission that God has given to us. Often where our prayers are fueled is where God has given us a heart. And that will be quite different for each and every one of us. I love the different individuals we have that lead times of prayer here. Not just Sunday evening, but there's a a larger number of people that are involved in leading prayers and intercession on a Sunday morning. And uh, you can detect the different things that that are important to those individuals. But we're not praying with just the same person leading prayers every week. So there's the whole scope of diverse uh, different ministries that we can pray for over the different weeks as different people are involved. So get involved maybe as you're praying through where God is leading you or calling you. Am I involved in something that really is exciting me? Maybe think about getting involved somewhere by testing the waters. We're not going to know the outcome of something until we try it, uh, are we? I had a, saw something on TV, it was just that channel hopping thing that was going on and it was a, kind of like a comedy thing but they were doing this with a, with a straight face 
trying to uh, encourage people to have different types of smoothies. That's a, like a, a, a different thick drink of different juices and vegetables and that that all mushed up together and then served. And they were actually serving out um, a hamburger smoothie, which sounds revolting. And as you actually saw this tip take, you thought, yes, it looks revolting. But the fact is, you're not going to know for definite that it tastes revolting unless you what? Try it. And interestingly, one of the people that tried it said, well, that's lovely. They only knew that because they tried it. How do we know whether or not a particular ministry is for ourselves? Not by actually tasting a hamburger smoothie, but by maybe giving it a bash. When different people link in with the church and, uh, and say, oh, I, I don't know which life group to join. I'd like to be attached to a small group. How do I know what's right uh, for me? I'd usually say, well, why don't you look at all the, the different groups that there are, and Ian leads one, and Gerald leads one, and others lead, lead the other groups. Why don't you actually go to them all and just say, you know, contact the different the people that are leading, say, look, I'm, I'm going around all the different like groups, don't know which, which is going to be the right time or the right style for me. Is that okay? Of course it is. And then people will end up where they feel most appropriate for them. So it is maybe with particular gifts to have uh, maybe a dipping our toe in the water. I think God longs for us to use our common sense a lot more than we tend to. Instead of just sitting and waiting and waiting for something to fall out the sky. Rather, God, what is it that you're wanting me to do? When Moses was there with the armies behind him, and the mountains at one side and the mountains at the other side and only water in front of him. It wouldn't have done him any good at all, would it? To have thought, well, I'll just wait here. When God said, cast out your rod and just take a step forwards, he had to take that step. And it was only when he took that step that the way he had was made clear, wasn't it? That sense of being proactive Paul had a similar uh, experience, didn't he, when he was on one of his missionary journeys, very pumped up to proclaim God's word. And as he was doing that, he said, right, we're going to go over there. Come on, guys. But then we read in Acts 16, I think it is, the spirit of Jesus said, no, never got that. What's all that about? But they, they need Jesus. The spirit of Jesus said no. And then in a dream overnight, Paul had that vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. Paul didn't stand still. He set off on a journey over there and God directed him when they were on the move. And so it is, I think, that as we seek to be proactive as to where God might um, um, be leading us. Now, sometimes we need a little bit of help. So we produced a, a sheet just in case anybody doesn't think there's anything to do here at this church. Here's about 80 different ministries. And that's not an exhaustive list. Do I want anybody to do all those 80? No, I don't. So Ian, stop. But very often, particularly when new people are joining us, I say, well, have a look at that and pray over that to see what you believe God's saying. Let's say there's 80 things on there. I suspect 77 of those will be of no interest or completely irrelevant for the individual that I'm speaking with. But it could well be three things they're left to think, I'll pray those three things through and then have a sense and a hunch of what God is saying. But it starts somewhere. 
This is a practical uh, sheet and we've got those out on the table that was covered with orange bricks and if you wonder where they came from as you walk through, that was the result of our thinking about serving in the church yesterday at Cafe Church. That's a whole host of different ministries that go here and think about that as you look at, uh, at that over coffee. If you were to take away all those ministries and they didn't have people in them so they didn't exist, what would happen to the overall picture of church? It would soon be rather decimated, wouldn't it? That's the idea of that picture. Back to where we were. Where were we? Okay. So in terms of goal, where is it that you want me to serve, to be involved? It's good an opportunity for me as well as other people to take stock uh, of this every now and then. There'll be an opportunity that may well come up that I might uh, receive. And I'll say to the elders, look, this has come up as an opportunity. What do you reckon? And at times they'll say, I think that's great. You need to do that. At other times they might think, Maybe you're busy with other stuff and you'd be better off to to let somebody else do that. That, again, is good and helpful counsel. But step one, where is it that God has given you gifts? Seek to be involved in where God has given you gifts. Step two is certainly, or more secondary, but it's to be involved in doing something for the sake of serving. That's a Christ-like thing to do, isn't it? There are those people who have been given a spiritual gift of service. There's probably nearly 30 at least uh, spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. We've each been given a few, at least one. One of those gifts is the spiritual gift of service. Only a few people have been given that specifically. It's not to do with anybody that actually does something. It's those individuals, and maybe you can think about them in your own context or your own church if you're here from elsewhere, that you know are behind the scenes and if there's a job that needs to be done, they will just do it. They will sign up and do it or they will do it without telling anybody else. And we've got a few of those individuals here who are absolutely incredible. But outside of, of that, because the majority are not in that group at all, each Christian ought to carry out acts of service and have a heart to serve. That's in line with the teaching of Jesus. And lastly, let's think about this thing of getting involved and staying involved. I think over the years, one of the things that struck me is, uh, is people's stickability is not what it used to be. I don't know if that's uh, something that others will, will pick up, but I've been doing what I've been doing for a long time, and I applaud anybody that's prepared to hang in there for the long haul. Because often people get quite quickly frustrated or bored or, well, I've done my bit and I've had enough and and I'm desperately eager for somebody else to pick up that baton. There is a season, very often, for different ministries, but it seems that the average season, um, I think, is probably getting a lot shorter than it used to be when believers, and this is a gross generalisation, but I've thought a lot about, about this during the week thinking about what uh, we now call focus, uh, that was known as the senior citizens' tease. And David's mum and dad were involved in that for 45 years. Give or take a year. 45 years. At the onset of starting a ministry for Jesus, I wonder how many of us, 45 years later, would still be involved in doing that. Because they believe this is where I've been gifted, this is a heart I've got, and this is what I believe in. And I'm going to use all that I am 
in actually serving God in this way. God's word speaks in Proverbs 20 verse 6 and says, A faithful man or woman, who can find? What a challenge. Faithfulness and stickability are quite rare, aren't they? But God sees. God sees that which is done. And no matter what your gift or what your avenue of service is, even those times where maybe you get a little bit discouraged, know this. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Why? God's word says, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It will be worth it. There will be reward. There will be acknowledgement. Wow. We didn't ought to need any motivation, did we? Don't think that you're not good enough. Because we each are. God is using or looking for, uh, for us to, in terms of our availability more than our ability, someone once said. Uh, I wish it was me, but it wasn't. A great phrase. He's, a phrase. He's looking for our availability. Here I am. Here I am. How and where might I serve you, Lord Jesus? God takes our good enough and then is able to do something special with it. With other people's good enough as well. As we seek to join in with teams and building teams in different avenues of ministry. Then that which God is able to do across the whole is then going to be quite spectacular. So I hope you take one of those um, opportunities to serve sheets. And if none of those things are for you, or if you think I've already got my full quota, uh, feel free to take hold of these just to either pass on to somebody else who's not here, or to pray through the individual's names who are next to those things as being the main person responsible for that particular uh, ministry. Uh, We would really, really uh, value that um, indeed. It's worthwhile reminding um, ourselves, isn't it, that however much we do is not going to earn our salvation. I have to say that. For some of you, you'll think that's a very simple thing to say that you've heard hundreds of times. But I have to say it because there's something deep down in, in sometimes a few at the very least that think, well... I get that thing of reward and I guess the more good I do, the more likelihood that my good will outweigh the bad and then I will receive. We don't read a single verse in the entire Bible that says that. It's very important that you understand that. God's word says it is by grace that you are saved. Grace is something that we cannot earn And that we do not deserve. It is the gift of God that was available for us and is available for us. For each and every person who accepts that gift. The gift that we've celebrated around his table of being the Lord Jesus who died and gave his life for you. That whosoever should believe in him will not perish but will go and live for eternity with him. John 3.16. We know the verse. But have we picked up the most important word in there? Whoever does a lot in church. Shall not perish but will receive everlasting. Whoever gives a lot to charity. 
doesn't say it, does it? We like to kid ourselves that that's the way it works. Why is that? We like to feel that we're in control, don't we? That therefore somehow it is down to us. It isn't. That's a lie of the enemy. God's word says it is by faith and faith alone that we are able to be saved. And I have to remind us of that. We're not saved by serving, but we are saved so that we then are able to serve one another. How could we do any less for one another and ultimately, therefore, for the Lord Jesus? If he was willing to pay the ultimate price of giving up his life for us. When Paul wrote to a church in Rome, he said, In view of God's mercy, you believers now, you, church, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Well, I trust that that's got the balance right and that you won't see that this is a recruitment drive. But I hope that you'll capture something of my heart that for each of us, there's something that we're able to do. It may well be that what God is saying to you this evening is that which is where you are involved. Keep doing what you are doing. I see and know that. Well done. Keep going. For others of you, it may well be that there's a new avenue of service that he's saying, I want you to wake up. I want you to open your eyes. I want you to take a step out of the boat. I want you to consider something new or something different. For others of you, it could be this is a time where maybe you should be praying through laying something down to pick up something new. Or maybe time out to just do nothing and be still and wait. It's important that we're open to what God is saying to each and every one of us. But beyond everything, I trust that we will demonstrate that that sense of heart to serve. I'm so looking forward to this evening in the cafe because I know that none of the cups will be left on the tables this evening because we'll be so desperately eager to take our cup back as that small little sign (laughs) that we're doing our little bit. Lord bless you. Let's pray. Father God, we firstly want to thank you for Jesus who was willing to come amongst us to model what it means to serve, who was willing to give us an example that we should follow. God, we thank you for the array of opportunities they are to serve you. In our homes, certainly in our churches. We pray that you'd keep us constantly vigilant when we see or hear of other opportunities to not just bypass these, but to pray through God, is this what you're wanting me to do? And if no, then that is okay. Grant us a peace about that. But if we're wondering that whether there is a nudging towards something, We pray for courage. We pray for a sense of confirmation and assurance from your Holy Spirit that he might direct our paths and grant us that sense of direction so that we might know that we are in step 
with the way he is speaking and directing us. For we know there's no better place to be than in the centre of his will for our lives. So help us, we pray. Help us to seek to get involved, to stay involved, knowing that we do so for the sake of our precious Lord Jesus. In his name we ask these things. Amen.